Potacumans. It's good to be with you once again on this new year, 2021. Happy New Year, everybody. Brett Maddox here. And as always, I am joined by your very best friends and makers of the greatest New Year's resolution I've ever heard. Alan and Jim have resolved to, to, to tell everyone one awesome thing about me every episode <laughs> this year. So, guys, go every right ahead. Start yeah. off strong. I, so I, I got it. I got go it right here. So, um, I, 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 ah, I lost it. <laughs> no. no. Um, recently, I learned Starting that strong. Caillou, Caillou, the great PBS program, has been canceled. <laughs> and I know that Brett personally went into his closet and cried. <laughs> Uh, when we found out. So, yeah, uh, uh, tears of joy. I was going, yes. Well, so, anyways. Yeah, so I also know that Brett loves knowledge, and it's uh, become common and now scientific study knowledge that a majority of people break their New Year's resolutions by episode two. <laughs> Come on, hold strong, Jim. Actually, hold actually strong. before episode two. That's true. <laughs> Hold strong, guys. Hold strong. Anyway, Happy New Year, Potacumans. We're glad that you are with us. And um, here we go. We're starting off a new year. And let me just say, it's been an awesome thing. Jim and Alan and I were, we've talked about just how thankful we have been in the last kind of half of last year when we started this thing in June. And we, I guess all three of us really didn't really know where this would go, um, really know what kind of response we would have, what kind of community would be built out of this thing. But out of 14 or 15 episodes um, last year, we, we were just uh, blown away. I know I was blown away, and I'm speaking mm -hmm. on behalf of Alan and Jim, Absolutely. but uh, just blown away by this uh, pot of human community and y'all just locking in. And we we certainly do appreciate that. And we've got a we've got a year planned with uh, continuing through uh, John Wesley's revision of the Westminster Catechism, and it's going to be a fun time. And I'm excited about uh, doing this project, continuing to do these the, this project with these awesome guys. Uh, Jim and Alan, and we've got uh, some special guests who will be coming in this year, some fun stuff, so excited about it. Um, the last real episode, now the last episode we had was the Christmas special, which was real fun and exciting, and um, I got a few comments uh, back about how people enjoyed that. Um, one was, now let me just say this, you know, uh -oh. I put a lot of work into this podcast. I I do, a lot of, I do a lot of stuff to prepare this thing and the wine and, and, and I'm, and I'm happy to do it, but and what everybody wants to know, at least in my circles is who are Alan and Jim? Who are these people? Who, who, you know, what, what are they about? Y'all are rock stars in my circles. <laughs> it's crazy. Rock stars in I, feel, circle. I feel sorry for your circles. Uh, <laughs> It's so, crazy. It's like these guys, they're funny. How are you hanging out with funny people like this? And I'm like, <laughs> well, well, Jim is funny looking, and I agree that I am funny. Hey. So here we go. Y'all hey, calm down. <laughs> uh, but the last uh, real episode we had that dealt with the uh, shorter catechism was uh, episode uh, 14 when we were looking at, or episode 13 when we we're looking at question 14 and what is sin? 
And we were dealing with just kind of this base level understanding um, that sin itself um, is a transgression against the law of God. And sin is real, it's uh, universal, and it is serious. And uh, we also left off with that Christ um, is the answer to the question of sin, um, which we'll go deeper into later on in the catechism. Um, but now we're kind of getting to the more specific things of sin. So that was like the 40,000-foot view of sin. Now we're coming down, looking at some finer points about what sin is. And so question 15 in the Westminster Shorter Catechism is, what was the sin by which our first parents fell from the estate in which they were created? What was the sin by which our first parents fell from the estate in which they were created? And who has that answer? Well, I just want to say that's a great question, and I have the answer. Mm. Okay. Um, A wise one. um, The sin by which our first parents fell from the estate in which they were created was their eating of the forbidden fruit. Ooh, the forbidden fruit. Dun, dun, dun. Hmm. Wasn't so, that on sale the other day? It was. I, yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, that anyway, was ironically I didn't get it, prescient. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Scripture proof uh, for this comes from Genesis 3, a couple of verses that you're familiar with, verses 6 and 12. Uh, Genesis 3, 6 says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. In verse 12, the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. So if you're new to the Podakesis podcast, what we like to do is read what the question is out of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. If it's been revised or edited by Wesley, we talk about that a little bit. Then we'll read the scripture proof that's within that catechism, and we'll spend a little bit of time talking why, talking about why that scripture passage or verse is important. Uh, in this Genesis passage, uh, we've had Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, which are the two creation stories. And what we need to just remember out of that is God created everything, and he said it was good. When God created humanity, he said it was very good. And in Genesis 2, there's this, uh, there are these commands that are given, these, these um, uh, uh, um, rules that are given by God um, to go and be fruitful and multiply, uh, to take care of the, the earth, to be good stewards of it. But there are also these rules of not to eat of certain trees, uh, fruit from certain trees. There was a tree of life. You could eat of that. That's, uh, this symbolizes this eternal life, being in the presence of God, God providing our life. But there was this other tree, uh, What uh, the translation, English translations from the Hebrew, it says the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that there was, we were, there was this injunction against, don't go in need of that. Don't go in need of that. Yeah, God said in uh, <laughs> chapter 2, verse 16, he commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for, for. when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Isn't it interesting, by the way, and this was, I pointed out, and I don't know if it was on something I read. Um, oh, I know what it was. It was, I'm reading through the Bible in a year, and it was pointed out in something I was reading as part of that whole devotional process. <clears throat> that whole that, idea, a preacher reading the Bible every now and then. Yeah, you know. Wow. <laughs> so uh, isn't it interesting that it says, for when you eat, not if you eat? 
<laughs> the, the tense there is so interesting that I don't think I've ever really locked in on that. Um, and I, you know, this is kind of something I need to do some further study there with, but that idea for when you eat of it, almost like this uh, idea that God, I, I don't know. I don't even know where to go with it. Yeah. That. There's a nice uh, little exegetical point. And that means uh, kind of reading into the scripture is to decide if when being the preposition there in Hebrew, they're not often supplied. The right. prepositions that would be in the original Hebrew often have many meanings. Uh, right. So to decide, does that imply God's foreknowledge directly of they will eat it? Or is that a prepositional way of saying um, that by the effect of your eating it, this will occur? So mm-hmm. if that's uh, something we got to pay attention to every now and then right. is to dig in. Um, this is for our listeners, Brett. You're you're just amazing. So this is just a <laughs> there free it is. tidbit for Woo-hoo! the listeners. Gosh, episode two, that goes away. But um, yeah, so so to decide if that is um, what we would call exegetically significant or interpretive significance. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is totally worth further study, and I don't have it in front of me. But yeah. I would believe that is the um, bait conjunction, and I'll look it up later. Okay. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And uh, but it's just an interesting way, at least to hint how the English translates it as well, mm-hmm. and the kind of what it implies there. And uh, I think one of the things to remember uh, for those who are listening uh, that it, it, sometimes when you read the scriptures, it's not as black and white as the words that you're like. There's a lot of layers. It's I mean, it's like yeah. Shrek, right? It's like onions and parfaits. <laughs> the Bible it's, is like Shrek. Shrek. <laughs> That's uh, the title of this episode, by the way. <laughs> the Bible is like, like Shrek. Shrek. There are layers. Um, onions have layers. The Bible has layers. So, uh, and uh, this Sunday, for example, I'm preaching on uh, Jesus turning water to wine. And when you look at it on its surface, um, it looks, you know, there are these surface level meanings that are important to that story. Jesus transforming something, Jesus saving the day at the marriage, all this stuff that's going on. But there's a key line at the end of that passage in which it says that uh, the disciples worshipped or they believed in him. They believed in him after that miracle took place. And so the question comes then, what were they believing in? What, what, What did they see in that miracle uh, that Jesus did and that sign that Jesus did that revealed something about Jesus to them that they believed in. And there are these layers there that you have to peel back about what the Jews uh, believed about the abundance of wine mm. and this kind of stuff and in times. And there's all kinds of prophecies about this. So uh, scriptures, scripture has deep, deep, deep layers and meanings to them, which is why um, it requires serious, serious study. Um, there's, but not- an image, there's an image that uh, I believe is often quoted to a guy in the uh, that says um that i think he's talking about the gospel of john but scripture is like a pool shallow enough to wade in and deep enough for an elephant to swim in mm-hmm. something of that, that nature yeah something of that nature yeah. right well i mean in that in that in that awesome that you know probably you've read genesis 2 how many times and right and something as you know for win yeah. uh two words um get you get you thinking something you've never thought before oh, about exactly. the scriptures. Right. Oh, it's amazing. Because it, it's because God's word's alive. It is right. it is living um as you know as we live and as we grow. Um yeah, it's just awesome. This is right. amazing. Yeah, I mean I, I always God's word. 
I always tell folks and believe myself that whenever we read the scripture, the spirit is active and alive speaking in and through us. It's pretty amazing. I'm going to do a moment of self-correction. It's not a preposition. It's a verbal form. So uh, y'all who are are nuts listening, uh, Hebrew nuts, please do not at me for that. Just talk to me about infinitives. We'll do yeah, it Yeah, that was my next comment, Jim. I was going to correct you. Um, that's yeah, we've general. already lost all of our audience for this episode, <laughs> yes, and it's exactly. my fault. So carry uh, on, my wayward sons. Uh, uh, that's at Jim Morrow. I think, I think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, did Kansas walk into this episode? Yes, we have we have lost it. Um, okay, so, so uh, what does the, speaking about sin? Yes, so let's let's talk about what we're seeing here. Uh, what does let's talk about the fruit first of all, because that becomes a big part of what Jim just read. Uh, this idea of fruit and the question and answer for this, you know, the sin by which our first parents fell from the estate which they were created was by eating the forbidden fruit. So what was the forbidden fruit? What did the forbidden fruit look like or what does it symbolize? And I think it's first uh, important to understand that uh, the fruit that we're talking about here has a great symbolicness to it. Um, and it's interesting that it's not, we're not told like what kind of fruit we're talk, dealing with. This is not, there are details that are left out of here on purpose because what the scripture is trying to do is get us to think about the what God is wanting us to see in this, what God is wanting us to know in this. And he doesn't want us to get lost in the weeds of things. Now, you may have heard in the past that uh, Adam and Eve ate of an apple right? But in the scripture, it doesn't say what kind of fruit we're dealing with here. The apple comes up from Milton's Paradise Lost, uh, which was an epic poem back in the Middle Ages. That's not what we're dealing with here. What does the fruit symbolize? Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what it symbolizes, but I will tell you um, that I think the, the focus of the answer is their eating. It's the eating mm. of the fruit. Mm. Um, God um, God specifically told them not to eat of it. Mm-hmm. So the way in which they fall, um, um, and fall from the state that they were created in is by eating the fruit that God told them not to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is ultimately disobedience. Um, no, there you go. It's that uh, action, it's, right? Yeah. It's, the, it's yeah. the, the action, um, yeah, and I think that I think that's a really important, and I'm going to stop interrupting. Apologies. No, go um, ahead. I think that's a really important thing to emphasize. Um, that's practical. Like the answer says, and I, and and the Christian tradition believes that the sin is the action, um, and of course the sin is like the continuing willing thought, for example. But it's not that they were tempted that makes them fall. Correct. Right. In fact, um, if you listen, it says uh, Eve took the fruit and she, or the woman, and she ate. And Adam says, while blaming it on God, the woman you gave me, yeah. uh, gave me the fruit and I ate. And mm-hmm. I think that's important too, because we have a lot of discussions about uh, what is sin, what is not sin, what people do, what people don't do. Um, how is culture, are cultural things sin? Um, and focusing in on the action. Um, uh, and not the temptation, so to speak. Mm. And that can alleviate some people uh, from some unnecessary burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so our, our scripture, verse 6, says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Now, 
everything up before she took some and ate it. Yeah, take. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is fine. Right. Uh, I think it's okay to look at the tree and look at the fruit and say, you know what? Um, it no. looks great. And um, I understand. I mean, it's it's pleasing to the eye. Um, but the, um, the action of taking um, and eating was specifically against what God told them to do. And so I think you're right. Like the idea of being tempted, that's not sin in and of itself. It's the giving into temptation. It's, yeah, it's what I'm going to do uh, about that. Yeah, it's what you're going to do, what you do with that temptation. Now, of course, that that I, I think there are probably instances where you could say, hey, what about this particular yeah, 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 yeah. And we could talk about things case by case, humans, if you'd like to, not that we are the arbiters of what is right and wrong. Um, but the generally what we're, we're talking about a temptation is not sin. Cause I pastorally, I have, I deal with a lot of people who have guilt over things that they are tempted by um, versus the strength of the Holy spirit to help them flee from temptation. Mm, yeah, that's right. That's good. Um, and I do think there is something there to understand um, about temptation and guilt and how guilt can in itself be a fetter that binds us, that, that keeps yes. us from moving forward. So whereas we may not be, uh, what's the, we may not be overtly sinning. We could be, um, uh, we could be giving into, um, the, the bondage of sin itself still mm-hmm. by allowing guilt to, to, mm-hmm. to, to chain us because of that. And I do think yeah. that's important. And it may be one of the reasons why Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into, tempt- today, to, into temptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, even there, he doesn't say lead us not into sin. He says lead us not into temptation. So there's even it's appropriate for us when we pray to say, Lord, I'm too weak to even deal with yeah. <laughs> the temptation itself. Recognizing, uh-huh. recognizing that um, is important. I'm going to um, try to pay attention, but all I have in my head is uh, VeggieTales temptation. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's we'll, a link, we'll link that in we'll the link that show, in notes. show notes. Show notes. Hey, 2021 okay, so, show notes. <laughs> so I've got a, a couple of quick observations um, because I think Brett, you're right about this, the fruit. We do need to talk about that because there's, there's a question that comes up, which is, well, why would God tell him not to eat it? How right. mean is God? So we'll put a pin in that. Yes. But, um, I also just want to note that the scripture in verse six says she took and ate. And since we just shared in the sacrament of communion at my church last week, I remember that yep. Jesus said, take and eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he broke the bread. He took the bread. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. Mm. And I think that that is a beautiful redemption of a broken moment. Wow. That's just a quick observation. All right. That's the, okay, like all right. See y'all, uh, see y'all two weeks. Okay, we'll see <laughs> the Lord that's, be with uh, you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fun. So have y'all ever thought about that? I know when we had David Watson on a few episodes back, I said, well, why would God even not let us? Cause I like to, uh, I like to spur on our guests and bring out their, their thoughts and whatnot. Um, but that is a question. Like it, it puts people off that we would have a limit because oh, absolutely. Well, we're pretty prideful generally. Right. Um, so what is it? So what is it about either this fruit or the fact that it is uh, of the knowledge of good and evil or that it would make them like God? Did God say no or uh, makes it so difficult? Or is it just that God is free to make a prohibition however God wants to? Well, I think there's definitely that because, I mean, we have to go back to the beginning is God's the creator before, you know, 
there was nothing there. He was there before there was anything. And so he created, he put the system, he put us in, he put us there. Um, he put us in the garden. He made the garden. He made everything. He is allowed, we go back to the God's sovereignty. Yeah. He's allowed to put in whatever restrictions he would, he wants to. Right. Um, and um, yeah, I think. And I think, I think we know because God is pure goodness that whatever God would restrict is ultimately for the greatest Absolutely. good. Absolutely. It may not be something that we would perceive. Yeah. Right. Um, but it would definitely be for the greatest good according to the glory of God. So well, it's just like us as parents putting restrictions on our kids. Our kids um want to play, uh, you know, my son got a switch for Christmas. He would love to play that. Now is that and, is that a switch like my great grandpa got a switch, or is no, that a switch like, like a, a Nintendo Switch? A Nintendo Switch for okay. those of you who are not aware, sorry. Um, <laughs> he would love to play that eight hours a day, and that looks good and pleasing to him. But I know for his good long term, that's not healthy and that's not good. Um, now that's a human example, and here right. we're trying to play God, but um, that's just just bringing it home. Um, but I think God is allowed to put whatever restrictions it, are in place, and we do have to believe, based off of who God is, because He is good, because He's love, that whatever restrictions He puts in place are for our good. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, I think, think it re- oh, go ahead, Brad. No, uh, well, I was going to say, I think that. Paul will illuminate this in Romans chapter 1. So if you would just hear this, uh, these few words here, uh, for the wrath of God is being, this is from chapter 1, uh, starting at verse um, 18. Uh, I'm going to predict th- that it's his favorite verse in Romans. Go. <laughs> Actually, it's not. There's another one, but uh, it's okay. close to it. Anyway, for the wrath of God is, uh, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, uh, ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his, his internal, eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world mm. in the things that he has made. So they are with so they being humanity are without excuse for all they although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and um, creeping things so. I think what Paul would see in uh, this passage in Genesis, and I think what he's trying to tell, t- tell us about uh, kind of the what, what sin is, you know, in a sense, um, is that it is a <clears throat> it is almost like it's a dis- disruption of the created order, where yeah. God, God, of course, God can say, "Do not eat this," because He's God, He's supreme, as we've said already. But when we step up and say, "God, who are you to tell me?" what I can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. What we're doing as the created thing mm-hmm. is telling our creator, we don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm. We can take it from here. And I think that is a key part to this as well, is that it's not that God is being selfish with wisdom or knowledge right. and power or whatever it is. It is that God is the creator and we are the created thing. There is an order here. Right. And we are trying to usurp that order. Right. Now, there's the other issue of, now, why wouldn't God want me to know 
good and evil because we, we like to teach our kids, for example, the <clears throat> difference between quote right and wrong. Right. I'll invite you to go back and listen to our episode with David Watson. Yeah, he I asked him, I said, why, why wouldn't God want us to know? And David's response was classic. He said, why would they want to know good and evil when all they know is good? Good. Mm. There is no evil in the world, and you could take an, uh, what we would call Potecumens, the Augustinian understanding of evil, which is the complete absence of good, um, and say that to know evil is to pull the plug in the bathtub, so to speak, and let good start draining out, because if evil is the absence of good, then the moment you start to know evil, there is less good in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so um, it's not as if there's anything to make distinction of in the original estate, as our (laughs) catechism says, in the original state in which they lived. But by the act of knowing it, there is now evil in the world and a privation of the good. Right. Um, And so that's not a good thing to know. Now, why, why would it be there? And why would they, why would it be like, why would they be like God? I'll offer a quick thought. And then I know this is not my own show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Jim Morrow show. (laughs) God, if God, if God is God and has full knowledge, then God knows all things, including the darkest things. Mm. Um, And in God's goodness and love would not want for his creation to know that. Now, let me tell you, or let me give you one thought about how Eve, for example, comes to know evil. Um, more along the Hebraic understanding of an intimate knowledge of versus a distinction between. Um, it comes a chapter later. She Not only do they know that they're naked and ashamed, uh, but she has a firstborn son who kills their secondborn son and flees. She now knows evil. Yeah. That was not there before. That's exactly right. And it's so heartbreaking. Why, why would God not want us to know that? It, thinking about it as in the distinction between right and wrong is not the right way of thinking of it, because there is at this point no evil in the world. Mm-hmm. But then you think of it like by knowing evil, she knows the death and the desertion of her children. Mm-hmm. Then you would see why God does not want us to know that. And you see that the consequence, be it Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden or the murder of a child by another child, and that other child who did the murdering is now gone himself. And cursed. And cursed. Now you've got a broken relationship. You've got these broken Mm. relationships between humanity and God, humanity and humanity. And that's the key here, is that relationships, these relationships, key relationships, familial relationships, God and uh, creator and createe got a relationship. It's, it's broken. It's, it's, it's marred. It's, um, it's not good anymore. Mm. Uh, there's, it's problematic. And so you, you ask a good question, Jim, and it's one that, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, right before Christmas break, uh, one of the students here at St. Luke school said, uh, asked me why, why would God allow bad things to happen? Why doesn't God just take bad things out? Mm. If God is God, I mean, it, it is, it's, the, it's the classic uh, question of, um, of if, 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 why doesn't a good God, if there is a God, if there is a good God, why does he allow evil? Why mm. does he allow good people to suffer? What, you know, all the, the, the questions that is as yeah. old as humanity itself, um, it, it's a... It, that this is a child asking this question. 
And um, in a great resource that we lift up almost every uh, uh, every episode of this podcast, The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith by we Phil We need Talon. to get sponsored by Phil I know. <laughs> hey, Phil, I know you're listening. That's right. Um, uh, send, we'll take 10% of whatever. Okay, so anyway. Um, so he says in about this question, he says, uh, some of you might be thinking, why did God give humans a chance to mess up? Mm. Why did God plant the forbidden tree in the garden in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. If God had never planted the tree, we'd all live, uh, be living it up in paradise. Why did God make it possible for the first humans to go wrong? And I think that question on a deeper level is a question that is at the heart of all of our suffering and pain and heartbreak and everything. And the answer to that would be real relationship. Real relationships require real freedom. It's an issue of freedom, our freedom, our freed will that God has preveniently given to us through His grace to be able to choose Him or not choose Him, to, not, to be obedient or not be obedient. That's the key here. In fact, Talon will quote uh, C.S. Lewis here. Um, Lewis pointed out how our ability to choose is nothing to be especially proud of, as if it were something that we naturally possess. Uh, Lewis would say, "Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or your moving of your the moving of your limbs from moment to moment, is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to His service and could not give Him anything that was not, in a sense, His already, uh, you." Sorry, let me reread that. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his already. So that when we talk of a man doing anything for good or giving anything to God, I will tell you uh, what it's really like. It's like a small child going to his father and saying, Daddy, will you give me six pence to buy you a birthday present? Of course, the father does, and he's pleased with the child's present. It is all very nice and proper, but only an idiot would think that the father is sixpence to the good on the transaction. Hmm. God has given this to us, this freedom to us. It's a gift to us. How are we going to use it? That's the question. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, I think the whole idea that God doesn't want mindless robots. Yes. Um, he wants to, he's, and he's given us that free, that free will, that choice. Um, and, and in that is the choice to disobey. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what we have in Adam and Eve. Um, and just to be clear, let's make this, let's, I think we've kind of been picking on Eve and of course, a bunch of three guys picking on Eve. That that's great. Right. It was um, the woman's fault, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I was going to let you be the one to say that. Uh, yeah, let's be real clear. That was Brett Maddox. That statement was n- not uh, promoted by the Podakesis podcast. Uh, Brett Maddox's thoughts are his own, not associated with the Podakesis podcast or St. Luke United Methodist church <laughs> but she also <laughs> gave some to her husband she yeah. took in some and ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he who ate was it. with her who was with her um and ate it and so they yeah. both ate it all yeah. of humanity um right. and then we we are in this this state of sin you um, you see and uh, there's this also that other part to that and i think you alluded to this earlier alan where uh um 
Adam, uh, that um, it's a blame game. Adam will blame Eve and God, the woman mm-hmm. you gave yes. me. Yeah. Um, right. They both do. They both go back and forth when God, you know, yeah. goes searching for them um, yeah. because they're hiding uh, because of what they've done. Um, right. So I think the key to this, or I'm sorry, Al, I think I'm cutting you off there. No, you're good. Okay. I think the key to this is the fruit itself would symbolize this whole taking, this whole eating, this disobedience is this separation from us, from our creator. Um, it's this separate, this, this, this relationship. Did you say, hold on. He said separatist. He said separatist. I meant, I said separation. Star Wars. Separatist. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this is the way. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> um, so uh, there's this separation, and between the cre- creation and the creator, and th- once we see this, once we get to th- God, will start from the very the next the next step, setting things right again. But it takes time. It goes through history. It goes through um, Abraham um, and the and the, uh, um, the the patriarchs, the prophets, the kings, to Jesus and on. But this separation is key uh, from this story. At least to me, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you'll yeah, you'll notice you'll notice that um, that the action of taking and eating. Um, the consequences are an immediate disassociation with themselves because they are naked and ashamed. This is an individual, me to me, mm-hmm. uh, distance from God because they are hiding in the garden. Mm-hmm. It is it becomes a um, using of nature because they destroy the fig to make the clothes. And then God curses them and the land. And so everything falls and everything becomes separated. Mm-hmm. This, uh, the original uh, um, double-mindedness comes through. Um, it, it's, it's a full-out breaking, separating of everything, which happens when we disobey God. Yeah, the, right. you know, going back to there's the break in the vertical relationship between us and God, and there's the break in the horizontal between, uh, between each of us. Um, and, 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 and then, and then, all, then all of creation. I don't want to miss, though, that it is the broken relationship, not only with other people, but with within an individual and themselves. Yes. Sure. Because yes, then yes, I course. see myself naked and unashamed to now being naked and ashamed. That's right. You start with a divided self where now you have to hide parts of yourself away, compensate, and all of the things that cause great inner disorder. Right. Joe Donjel, a New Testament professor at Asbury, would say in his study of Wesley, um, would say as particularly about Wesley's uh, interpretation of the great commandment uh, to love the Lord your God um, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That whole love your neighbor as yourself is, is not, it, it can be broken into two parts. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And so there's this 100% what you were just saying. Jim, that this broken relationship is a relationship also within yourself, which is why that word shalom becomes such an important word uh, throughout the Old Testament and even going into the New Testament in the Greek of peace, of wholeness, of being brought back to the original 
intent on those. When you think about it, it explains a lot about why most, um, what's the biggest section in the bookstore? Self-help. Self-help, right. Um, <laughs> exactly. And right. Uh, I mean, our, our world is full of it. And that's even seeped into the church, mm-hmm. um, you know, self-help wrapped in religious language mm-hmm. um, when we know that that we can't help ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that there is um, we can only we can God can only help us. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, his name is Jesus, by the way. That's right. Amen. But, Amen. Uh, but hey. uh, he hasn't arrived yet in in our yeah. uh, in, in our, our studies. Yeah. Well, in our studies. <laughs> so he's come. He's come. <laughs> Before we get into the, because we are about Christian belief and why it matters. We like yes. to do that. I want to. I want to throw one more thing as a bridge out there, and that is uh, something I think Brett you had mentioned maybe off air, so to speak, which is the idolatry piece of this, yes. because the serpent tempts then you will be like God. Right. And so, uh, and Eve, the woman at this point uh, says um, it was pleasing to the eye. So she saw that it was good. Who, who before her has said something was good, but God. So she takes, she pulls that and takes that to herself. And then she takes, um, and God has also then first taken the rib from Adam to make her so she's doing divine things so there's a sense of idolatry and self-idolatry here that i think can lead us into um help us talk about why all this matters today i didn't want to leave that part alone i i think that's so important in fact that whole in my estimation anyway the whole idolatry piece is a thread that goes throughout all of scripture I agree with you, and um, and it started. I do too. <laughs> and so does Brian Russell. Go back to yeah, the episode. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I need it, to have the yeah. We'll yeah, put it it's, in show it's notes. right there. That's right. Show notes. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have to go back and find both the special episodes. I'll link them in the show notes and um, and put it out there. But uh, I think for me, why this matters has to do with us coming to an understanding that we're not God, that we are we stand in the need of redemption. We stand in the need of needing to be made right again, and that we can't do it on our own. No matter, no ma- no amount of education, no amount of working out, no matter, uh, no amount of professional validation, no amount of any of that will make me who I was created to be. And I will strive, and I will strive, and I will strive to reach for that because there's something within me crying out. There's something within me, and I may or may not know what that is, but I will I will go right after it. I will go right after it. I think that's one of the reasons that uh, drug abuse gets really is high because people are looking for something to fill a void, right? A void, and they they find that you know relationships aren't filling that void, so they'll they'll turn to this, they'll turn to that. Um, I also think that's one of the reasons why um, uh, marriages will fall apart after 20 years or or because you you start thinking well my wife or my husband is not filling my uh, is not is not is not providing for me anymore is not is not filling that hole in my heart anymore that I thought they would and so I'm going to go find that somewhere else and so mm-hmm. adultery happens those uh, and, and relationships are just further broken and there and you just continue to spiral 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 out of place. And so I think the key to redemption to to why this matters is us coming to a realization that we need help that we yeah. can't do this anymore. And I, if you may just permit me um 
one of the things that uh, in my in my doctoral studies I've been looking at with the catechism itself is I've been going back and looking at some of the older liturgy within the Methodist Church, and in a a generation ago, uh, two generations ago, there was a communion liturgy that was so poignant that uh, right before. Uh, the congregants would come to the table to eat of the bread of the body of the Lord and the drink of the blood of the of the blood of Christ. Uh, th- there was a prayer that was prayed, and and here this is what it was. This is these are the words. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, to partake of this sacrament of thy Son, Jesus Christ, that we may walk in newness of life, may grow in his likeness, and may evermore dwell in him and he and us. You hear the key. We are not even worthy <laughs> to eat the crumbs of this bread or to dip our finger in this cup for a drip, and yet your mercies are wide. That is the appropriate response, posture that we are to have before the Lord mm. of humility, of saying, Lord, you you belong on the throne of my heart. Yeah, it matters because it matters because of that. You use a whole change of a whole change of perspective. If you recognize that I don't have what it takes and I'm not in charge. Yeah. Um, I think it's important too, uh, within the church and without and outside of the church. Uh, to recognize that even those who walk closely with God, as Adam and Eve did at the beginning of, before chapter 3 started, uh, that we can very quickly mistake what we think God wants, take authority upon ourselves, and then make an idol of ourselves and disobey, disobey God. Um, even those who walk very closely with God. And uh, I'll be the first to uh, break a little bit of ice here. Um, we're recording on Thursday, January 7th, uh, the day after uh, the Capitol building of the United States was essentially stormed. And I'll make no comments on it other than this one. Among the many disappointing things that were there were all of the Christian religious symbols, mm-hmm. um, which echoes uh, a lot of the Christian religious language we have seen in what I have no problem calling conspiracy language um, and idolatrous prophecy language. And it's important to recognize that we can easily move from a place of pure fellowship, like Adam and Eve walking in the garden with God, to our thinking being changed to something that God does not want for us, we now think that God wants for us, and then we can interpret it into what we want. So, mm-hmm. for example, Eve, the woman, said, this is good for gaining wisdom, and somehow along the way found that that was a good thing that maybe even God would want from her. And so her own desire becomes bathed in godlike language and activity. We can 
what I often call baptize our sin with godlike language and become very confused and destructive until we can all recognize again and continually keep before us for one another what is clearly sin and what is not then we have the uh, we can walk in error for many miles i don't know if that was clear and made a lot of sense but that's why this that's part of the reason that this matters um, is to recognize that we're broken uh, to, as Brian Russell would tell us, to continually realign with the gospel by repentance and reconfession. Well, and I guess, again, since you've broken the ice, uh, I, I'll I'll bring it down a little further. Um, you know, uh, I have a lot of emotions at the at the date of this recording um, um, from the events of the Capitol and our country and where our country is, and it's just very evident that that we are in a broken world that is in need of of Jesus and in need of um, saving from the state of sin that we are in. Um, but just to bring it home, and I, and I want to, I want our listeners to hear me uh, and hear my heart, and, I, and I'll try to do a really good job of explaining this. But um, one particular image was a, a huge flag that was flown that had uh, said, "Jesus is my Savior, and Trump is my President." Um, and I, I want to say this: that what I'm about to say, um, I would say if the flag said, "Jesus is my Savior, and Biden is my President." or Jesus is my savior and Bush is my president or Jesus is my savior and Obama is my president. This is not a, this is not an attack on um, Democrats or Republicans. This is just uh, an illustration to the, um, this idea of idolatry um, and this being a part of the root of this sin in the garden. Um, when Jesus is our savior, um, when God is our God, there's no and. There's oh. no and. Um, there's no and so-and-so is my president or such-and-such and such-and-such. Such and such. Or um, pick any other um, thing in your life. There's right. no and. It is only Jesus is my Savior. Amen. Um, and um, th- the, the root of sin is saying, oh, God is with me in the garden and I need this fruit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, we, g- God is all that we need. Jesus is all that we need. And, um, that is what we have to realize there's in, in America, we have this thing of having priorities. Um, there's no such thing as priorities. There's having a priority That's right. and, um, God is, should be our priority and anything else is idolatry and sin. And so, um, I hope, I pray you hear me, people. I hope, part of humans, I, I pray you hear me. Uh, it's not an attack on, on the left or the right. It's just attack on our state of sin. Yeah. Um, and that is just an illustration of it. So, And, and let me full circle that one time, um, that it's not that the call is to do this and don't do that in terms of um, our behavior. It's that, listen, in sin, we're not being legalists. You are being deprived of the good and you are depriving the world of the good that God made for us. Right. Yes. Because if anything sinful or dark or evil is 
if you look at it in the way of the privation of good, you are draining good down the bathtub drain of your own life and the lives of others. Look at the look at the flow from uh, the woman who's later named Eve, who sees, then takes, then eats, and then knows good mm-hmm. and evil, and onward to her grown children. The mm-hmm. consequence that is a spiral. Mm-hmm. Her children died an outcast, and you can see every now and then these great bursts of wow! I wish I had never taken a bite of that, and yesterday in the United States of America, there was a glimpse of, I don't know what I ate, but I wish I had never taken a bite of that. Yes. Mm. So there you go, buddy. <laughs> it's just uh, some thoughts about why this matters because... Yeah, I think it, I think it just, there's going to be a heaviness to the conversation if we are humble enough to talk about sin as not just somebody else, but as yes. a reality of our own life. So I think right. it's appropriate that it, it's it's a little heavy because we're all affected by it. Um, but it does it does matter to us um, in one respect. You can I can respect what the um, I believe it's the Roman Catholic tradition would call the fortunate fall. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I wouldn't subscribe entirely to the theological concept, but a point in which I am so grateful, I'm more grateful for Christ mm-hmm. because there is a fall. Yes. And so when the more we sorrow, the more we can joy, mm-hmm. the deeper we are, the greater our salvation. I think, I think Wesley had a, a, a tie into that, what's called Felix Culpa, the happy fault. Yeah, that's uh, Felix yeah, Culpa. Yeah. 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 Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Well, go no, ahead. No, no, oh. I just, I just, I think it matters. Um, when we just look at our own selves, our own relationships, um, you know, we, as Jim talked about earlier, as, as we realize our own brokenness, yeah. um, when we have disagreements and broken relationships and, um, we not only realize maybe we can, we, when we understand that, that we have fallen out of this, this state that Adam and Eve, we are, we are a part of that. We can look in ourselves and, and recognize our own part to play in that broken relationship. Right. We can, see how the other person's to play in that broken relationship and right. then realize that maybe we're, we're broken in our relationship with God as well. And so um, it matters deeply. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not just this, some highfalutin, whatever thing in the clouds, but it's, it, it affects us every single day, sometimes in grand scales, like we've talked about um, on the news or whatever, but more often just in our interpersonal everyday relationships, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a part of it all. No, I, I think that's, I think that's right on. And I think this is a good place for us to start, uh, winding up. Um, uh, but, uh, we need to also make mention and we will do this on a deeper level, uh, soon enough when we talk about Jesus and the role of Jesus in salvation and redemption and reconciliation and, and in all of that. But I, if we are saying that our understanding of the fall and our understanding of our own brokenness is important, how much more important then is Jesus going to be? Mm. Is Jesus going to be to the answer to these things. He's going to be much more important than just his name on a flag. It's going to be, he's going to be of, of utmost importance for our salvation and reconciliation. So 
That's a good preacher right there. We didn't leave you with bad news. There's some yes. good news. There's some good news. We because... beat you down. We beat you down, but we uh, lifted you up. So because we're all that's, that's the thing. Hey, guys, yes. I'm sorry. I've, I've, I've got a question. Yes. I've got a question. Yeah, let's go I've ahead. Just been yeah, think, yeah. I've been thinking about this. Yes, okay. what's the question? You know, yes. estate planning, parents. What was the sin by which <laughs> our first parents fell from the estate <laughs> in which they were created? I just Did can't you say out. estate planning? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Would you, can somebody help me with the answer to that? I, I, I can, because um, just how we began, I still have the answer. Um, yes, go ahead. Always. The sin by which our first parents fell from the estate in which they were created was their eating of the forbidden fruit. Ah, uh, there you go. If y'all are hearing a little siren in the back, they're uh, messing with my... Um, burglar alarm sirens in the building uh don't worry potty humans i'm safe they're changing some things out but that is incredibly loud Actually, oh my y'all don't know is that brett has broken into somebody else's <laughs> office stolen their computer he's recording in there and he's finally getting caught he is yeah, demonstrating he and Dem- he is demonstrating the state in which he is falling from yeah and now i've got one final thought from yeah. jim it's that that fruit was forbidden but boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, please eat your fruits and vegetables. So you can love Jesus for a long time. <laughs> yes. And on that note, if you would like to contact us here at the Potakesis podcast, you can do so uh, by leaving, uh, uh, sending us an email at questions at potakesis.com, going to Facebook or Twitter and leaving us a, a message there and just uh, commenting. We'd love to have those comments. You can call us. We do have a voicemail. You can leave a voicemail. It may even get played on uh, on the podcast itself. Our phone number is 404-635-6679, 404-635-6679. We would actually love to hear you and your voice. So please do give us a call and ask any question that you would like. Uh, we've got episode 16 coming up next. Did all mankind fall in Adam's first transgression? Did all mankind fall? Um, the answer to that question is going to be yes, but we'll explain that even in more detail uh, next time when we come back with you. Um, and until then, please hit us up on social media. Go to our website, podakesis.com. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Tell your friends, your family, and all of that. Happy New Year to y'all. We're so excited that you're back with us, and we're back with you. And until next time, this has been the Podakesis Podcast. Y'all have a good one.